The Cleveland Browns are trading with the Houston Texans and acquiring quarterback Deshaun Watson. I am totally fine with putting this guy on board as your quarterback. I will root for this quarterback because I can separate the moral from the football player. ESPN Radio. Deshaun Watson had his introductory press conference as a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. So Deshaun Watson had his press conference. It was the first time he was in front of the media being asked the hard questions since all of this really has come about. And he's been paid like the highest paid player in NFL history in the midst, of course, of the 22 pending civil actions against him right now. And so he was asked about his image, how he would look to fix it. He took that question head on. Here's Deshaun Watson. I know that there's going to be a stain that's probably going to stick with me for a while, but all I can do is keep moving forward and continue to to, to show the person that I am, the true character, the true person, the true human being I am. Like I said before, I've never done the things that these people are alleging, and I'm going to continue to fight for my name and clear my name, and like I've been doing, just cooperate with everything that comes with it and just keep moving forward. And then as far as the job and, and what I need to do as a, on the football side is to lead this team, help this team win multiple, multiple games and Super Bowls. And that's my job is to continue to put all that together and work with the Cleveland Browns and, you know, just keep pushing forward. Harry, what I've taken from this press conference, and we've listened to a lot of cuts throughout today's show from Deshaun Watson from this presser, is that Deshaun Watson was well-prepared. He was well-prepared to be asked the questions. He knew this was going to be a focal point of this press conference. And in fact, it very much was. We heard very little about football, frankly, and a whole lot about the legal concerns that surround Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I'm going to say this with Deshaun Watson, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, moving forward, right? you got to understand that this is a delicate situation, and a lot of people are going to be sensitive about this situation. So when you're dealing with the community, you're dealing with the Browns organization, you got to understand there's going to be female fans who uh, might not draw to you right now, but that's okay. You continue to, to, to work hard and try to gain their trust. And some people, you won't gain their trust. And then when you look at um, sexual assault victims, that's going to be another delicate situation, and some of those victims might be Cleveland Brown fans as well, but you gotta, you got to continue to strive to be better and be a great man. Now, can you undo, undo anything that has transpired up to this point? No, you can't, but you can move forward and try to see how you can make things right and how you can be a positive, uh, a positive guy in the community of Cleveland, and not just Cleveland, but worldwide because he's such a big commodity, uh, I would say, in the sports world when it comes to football. And he did talk about how he was going to try to impact the community there in Cleveland. He was asked all the hard questions. You heard him in that bite acknowledge that this is going to stick with him for a while. And it's good that he recognizes that because it very much is these questions are not going away. I frankly am not sure they're even going away when we get some sort of resolution in the civil suits. But they're certainly not going away right now. And particularly why he, while he's not even out there playing football, I don't know when we're going to see him out there playing football. But Deshaun Watson wasn't the only one fielding tough 
questions during this introductory press conference, an unusual introductory press conference from that regard. Jimmy Haslam, who, of course, owns the Browns, he also was asked the difficult questions about the decision to sign Deshaun Watson and make him the highest paid player in NFL history. It was definitely conceived by football operations. I can tell you it was widely vetted throughout our organization, including ownership, but it was conceived in football operations. I think another way to say it is two different grand juries in two different counties looked at nine different criminal cases and decided not to move forward. We have to trust that process, okay? So I think that's really important. I haven't asked Deshaun this. Well, actually, we have. I know that Deshaun learned through this process, just like all of us do every day in life, particularly when we hit a bump in the road. I thought it was important there that Jimmy Haslam said this decision originated from football operations because that was honest, because that's exactly where this decision originated from was Deshaun Watson is the football player. And that was certainly for first and foremost in their evaluation. And frankly, it would have been in any team that ended up acquiring Deshaun Watson. Listen, Amber, I watched uh, some of that press conference today and just watching it, you're exhausted, right? You're Mm -hmm. exhausted from it and everything that has transpired and, I can just see on Andrew Barry's face and Deshaun and Coach Stefanski, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. They're, like you mentioned yeah, buckle earlier, up, get used to it. Oh, this yeah. is what you brought into this, your this organization. Is gonna, this is you the took process. This on. Is the, yes, this, this is the process that's going to transpire from this, this, this step forward when it comes to press conferences and all those guys have to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these questions are going to be asked ad nauseum and they're going to get tired of answering them you mentioned they kind of already look tired of answering them but this is what you bring into your locker room when you bring Deshaun Watson into your locker room and you deal with it because of how great he is on the football field and it may be some time before we get to see that portion of his greatness but that was worth it for the Browns it was worth it for the Browns to deal with all of this that comes with that You mentioned Andrew Barry. He, of course, is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. He was asked why the Browns didn't bother in their investigation about Deshaun, why they didn't bother to speak to any of the alleged victims who have filed suit against Deshaun Watson or their attorney. Here was Andrew Barry. We were advised against reaching out directly to the 22 women out of concern that it would be considered interfering with a criminal investigation. And it's this, among several other reasons, that made it important for us to use independent investigative resources that were unbiased and comprehensive so that we could get a full picture and full perspective you know, of the criminal and civil cases. So it was through this time and through this work and uh, you know, what we learned about Deshaun the person, what we learned about uh, you know, the civil and, 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 and criminal proceedings, and you know, obviously, you know, uh, working through due process and legal process that got us comfortable with Deshaun the person. If I'm reading between the lines here, and this is total conjecture on my part, Harry, but how I'm hearing that now we've heard that bite numerous times from Andrew Barry, you and I have uh, throughout this show. It's almost sounding to me like what he's saying is uh, we did our independent, we had independent resources that looked at these things from an objective perspective and talking about the legal matters. And it made me think that 
what he's essentially saying is we brought in, you know, experts, legal analysts, lawyers, whatever, to look at these cases. And they essentially said, you know, these cases against Deshaun are probably pretty weak. And there you go. They didn't actually bother to speak to the victims. Maybe they were or the alleged victims. Maybe they were more concerned about the strength of the cases against Deshaun than they were about the actual alleged victims themselves. But either way, the Browns chose not to speak to the alleged victims. At least you did get an answer directly from them as it pertains to that. Kevin Stefanski actually got to talk about football. That was unusual again at this press conference. So I do want to go ahead and get to this bite because we haven't heard any of the actual football talk. How does Deshaun Watson fit into these offense? How is he going to be used? His new head coach got to speak on that very thing. We're going to spend a lot of time with Deshaun and, and the coaches and sit down and make sure uh, we're doing what he's comfortable with. Uh, obviously, we have some good players that, that we're excited about on our offense, and there's similarities uh, to what uh, Houston was doing, to what we were doing. There's, there's some differences, and that's, that's our, uh, our challenge right now that we have to work through is, is figure out ways that we want to pivot, ways we want to adapt to make sure that uh, we're utilizing Deshaun uh, to his uh, best of his abilities. I didn't learn mm. a ton from that. I got to be honest with you, Harry Douglas. No, but I'll tell you this. I think the pressure is on Kevin Stefanski because I didn't think he did a great job. And now Baker Mayfield wasn't good, but I also didn't think Kevin Stefanski did a great job while having Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. there or diversifying the football and making sure those guys were involved early. You have two dynamic tight ends. Last year you had three because Austin Hooper was there, but you have two now, right? You have to utilize the tight ends the correct way in Harrison Bryant and in Joku. You have a dynamic quarterback now within that run game you can incorporate the quarterback run game you have two dynamic backs there you have Amari Cooper you got to have a happy medium with your wide receiver because you didn't have that uh with the Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr and I, I want to bring up Sean McVay because when Sean McVay got a Odell Beckham Jr we've seen how an offensive play caller is supposed to get a dynamic receiver involved in games and that's why I say the more success that Odell Beckham Jr. had, the more light was shined on Baker Mayfield, but not just Baker Mayfield, but play caller Kevin Stefanski because we didn't see things transpire like that when he was in Cleveland. So I think the pressure is on Kevin Stefanski as well. Coming up next, we pivot to the madness because last night in March Madness was, in fact, madness. We're going to get more of it tonight in just about an hour so with only one number one seed team remaining, that is Kansas, how much does college basketball need the Duke Blue Devils in the Final Four? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Last night was madness, and there is more madness to come. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. Last night, a pair of number one seeds went down. That's kind of the story of this tournament so far, Harry. We are down to one Number one seed left, Kansas, the lone man standing in that regard. They are taking on Providence tonight uh, in just about an hour that will tip off. Tonight, you also have 15th seeded St. Peter's. They're going to take on the third seeded Purdue at 7.09 p.m. North Carolina is taking on UCLA. Uh, North Carolina trying to get another upset here under a first-year head coach. 9.39 p.m. And Iowa State is taking on Miami. That is an 11th seed versus a 10th seed. Anything can happen in these double-digit seeded games. So with only 
Kansas left in terms of sort of these perennial blue bloods, but in particular, these one seeded programs, you do still have obviously some of these others like UCLA in the mix and UNC in the mix, but they weren't the one seat. So the expectation wasn't the same, Harry. How important now is Duke in actually making it to a final four, even maybe a national championship? Well, I think it's important just with the simple fact of the brand that Duke basketball is and what it stands for. Uh, throw some cherries on top with some whipped cream and some sprinkles. Coach K, this is his last season as the heck basketball coach for the Duke Blue, uh, Blue Devils. John Shire will be taking over after this year. Man, you look at the players for, for the Duke Blue Devils, man, you can see in those guys' uh, those uh, those guys' eyes that they're just growing up uh, – in this incident, double-A tournament, playing the way they should be playing when they need to get stops and play some defense, which was very questionable during the regular season and in the uh, ACC tournament, they're getting those stops. And then at the same time, you see a guy like Jeremy Roach. You see them against Michigan State. You see them last night as well. Make the plays that he needs to make at a point guard position because in an NCAA tournament, guard play is very, very important. All, dating all the way back to the years when I was seeing Chris Paul playing that tournament, even my brother Tony Douglas who played Florida State. Uh, they didn't make it far. They got beat by Wisconsin, I think, on the last second. That was terrible. And boys up in Boise. I was in Boise, Idaho, about to throw up, trying to eat potatoes. But I'll tell you this. When it comes to the Duke Blue Devils, I love Ben Carroll. I love what he brings to the table. He's a guy who's going to be a lottery pick, and when they need a basket, they're going to run the offense through him. I love Mark Williams. The way he's able to defend, especially in this NCAA tournament, being able to guard guards and stay in front of them, move his feet and shift them. Uh, I love what he brings to the table. Then Wendell Moore Jr., another guy. You got Kales, who who has the hustle plays, the rebounds, defending. So I like this Duke Blue Devils team, and I love what they're doing and how they're growing within this NCAA tournament. Now, normally I want Duke in it to hate on them, right? Like they're one of those teams that everybody loves to hate, and that includes me. It's fun to root against the Goliath. Come on, we all know that. It's fun to root against Kansas. It's fun to root against Duke, even if Duke's not a number one seed. And that's sort of the purpose of a lot of these perennial blue blood schools, because you see it in the ratings. We all pretend that we love when the St. Peter's knocks off the Kentuckys of the world, and then ratings-wise, it doesn't actually work out that way when those name schools aren't here towards the end of the tournament i really really enjoyed st peter's beating kentucky because amber i went to the university of louisville and whenever kentucky can lose a whenever kentucky can lose it anything it's a good day i'm excited i'm happy you know how many people i text when kentucky lost to st peter's a ton <laughs> a ton. Well, it's not as embarrassing now because St. Peter's is on a roll. And so yes, maybe St. Peter's is a much better basketball uh, team than we realize. I mentioned they're taking on Purdue tonight. Purdue has more students than St. Peter's has living <laughs> alumni. That's how much smaller St. Peter's is than Purdue as a school. The St. Peter's story has been a phenomenal one. Now, don't get me wrong. I think this tournament, the story of this tournament is Coach K's last dance. But St. Peter's is giving that story a run for its money because this is the most unlikely 15th seed. Basically, you know, the huge majority of the student body at St. Peter's, you're talking first generation to attend college. It's a really interesting school that is easy to drive by 
high there in New Jersey, a largely commuter school, and certainly not one that anybody would have expected to get to this point. But that is a tough team. That is a team you've heard their coach say they're not scared mm. of anyone. There's a bunch of Jersey and New York guys on that team. They're not scared of anyone. It is a well-coached team, and they have certainly not been scared so far. I just don't know if they're going to continue to get it done, but I really hope they do. I'd love to see St. Peter's knock off Purdue tonight to keep this story going. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen just because Purdue and the guys that they have over there, two guys, Jaden Ivey, who's going to be a lottery pick, 6'4", 195 uh, pounds, can do a lot of different things on the basketball court. Then you have Zach Eady, Ede, um, their big man, their center. Uh, Jaden Ivey, his mother is the head basketball coach at Notre Dame, and uh, she – basically has brought her son up to do tremendous things and love the game of basketball. But Shaheen Holloway, the head coach for St. Peter's, a lot of people got to remember, understand, way back when he played for Seton Hall, the last time a team from New Jersey actually, I believe, made the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16, one of the two. But you get what I'm going. He has that mindset. He he instills that toughness in his team. And those guys aren't scared of anyone. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and gave Purdue everything that they had tonight in that basketball game. Uh, it would be a really fun story if we can keep it going. I mentioned, though, of course, the story of the tournament is Coach K's last dance. We will see that keep going since they did get the win last night over Texas Tech. Uh, so an unbelievable story here uh, as we head into the Elite Eight in the NCAA men's tournament. Coming up next, the Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith explains on what he's going to miss about Matt Ryan and head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. Both of us uh, of them joined us earlier in the show. He tells us what the Bucks are looking forward to the most next year. That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio. It has been an action-packed show here today on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. It ain't over yet. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. ESPN Radio is brought to you by CSX. Move your career forward at CSXCSX.com slash careers. So earlier in the show, an action-packed show, we both had the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, who joined us. We had the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, who joined us. If you miss any of that, you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on the ESPN app. We wanted to run some of it back. Thanks to both of them, of course, for joining us. The head coach of the Falcons and Arthur Smith, he said some really interesting things. We asked him, of course, about his former quarterback and Matt Ryan moving on from the organization after 14 years. Arthur Smith had an opportunity to catch uh, to coach him at the Falcons for one year. Here was Arthur Smith on what he's going to miss most about coaching Matt Ryan. There's a lot of things I'll miss about Matt. You know, uh, we only worked together for one year, but uh, you know, we got close in a hurry. I've got so much respect for what he's done for this franchise. And it's really just, just missing when it's those stuff. And Harry can tell you it's the day-to-day stuff. It's not the stuff necessarily out on the field and the meeting rooms and the interactions you have every day. Uh, I can't say enough good things about him. He was the same guy every day and, you know, wishing the best of luck to Andy. It seems like a very amicable uh, divorce, so to speak, uh, trade, right, between the Falcons and Matt Ryan and sending him to Indy. And all the reports are that Matt Ryan worked very closely with them in facilitating this trade. And they obviously sent him where he wanted to go. They didn't get the best deal in return, I would imagine, for Matt Ryan. But there was a relationship there with that organization. I always hear 
hear Harry from people who played football that the thing you miss the most are relationships after you're done playing. That's kind of like what it sounded like to me that Arthur Smith was saying. Yeah, 100 percent. And a guy like Matt Ryan, I was able to come in with Matt Ryan in 2008, same same draft class uh, in Atlanta. Uh, He's a guy attention to detail. He's a guy that you can count on uh, week in and week out. He's going to do the right thing like Spike Lee has taught us all in his movie. And then he's going to go out there and leave it all on the football field. And I can just remember the times from uh, on Saturday mornings, right before special teams meetings, me, Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez, we're having our own separate meetings so we can all be on the same page in games when it came to plays, hand signals, because we went no huddle in two minutes a lot within our offense. Just making sure, doing those little things, and then after certain things, if we didn't hit on a play in, in practice, staying out there uh, late in practice and, and, and running it again so we can see each other hitting it so in the game we feel great about it. Just little things like that. And then he actually kicked it with us and hung out with us here and there too. Up until a certain point, you know, then be like, Matt, you got to get out of here, baby. You got to go. You got to go home. This is for the cool, cool breeze, fellas. Now, you're a cool cat, but it, you got to go home now. It's getting wee hours. You got to go home. But he he's just an unbelievable talent, un- unbelievable man. And he done a lot of – he's done a lot of things on the football field – for that city, not just on the field, though. He's tremendous in the community as well. He will be missed. And when it came to Atlanta, sending him to Indy, it wasn't about what they got back uh, for him. It was about doing right by him. That's mm-hmm. how much he meant to the organization. And Terry Fonda and Arthur Smith has stated that in their press conferences that they, want to do, they wanted to do the right thing by Matt Ryan, and they did so sending him to Indy. So now it'll be on Marcus Mariona to take over the helm there in Atlanta. And, of course, that comes on the heels of Deshaun Watson not choosing the Atlanta Falcons, instead choosing the Cleveland Browns. Probably had a little something to do with the 230 million reasons that the Browns gave him to move to Cleveland, Ohio. We asked Arthur Smith about that as well. Here is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. We explored different opportunities all the time, and obviously that was a uh, very public exploration, I guess, is the best way to put it. But we deal with all kind of transactions. And, and, you know, you may try to get different players and there's certain players you want in the draft. It doesn't go your way. You always have to have contingency plans no matter what position and what your strategy is because there's always things you can't control. And so it was an exploration, but we do that all the time with certain players. Obviously, that was a high-profile one, but you always have contingency plans. And obviously, Mariota was a contingency plan to the contingency plan because they pivoted immediately and brought in Mariota. So it seems like to me that Mariota was, I guess, a backup plan, so to speak, to missing out on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and that's not uncommon. You see NFL teams do it, NBA teams, MLB, hockey, soccer. If you're not trying to get better as an organization, then why are you in certain front offices being a leader and trying to bring a championship to that team? Uh, And I will say this. Now, Marcus Mariota, as soon as the Deshaun Watson thing went through the wraps, I immediately knew who was going to be the quarterback next in Atlanta because I was also in Tennessee when Marcus Mariota was drafted second overall to the Tennessee Titans, and I got a chance to play with him for three seasons. And Arthur Smith was on that staff as well um and he's a guy that uh when it comes to art they built they formed a great relationship with one another and I'm just glad that Marcus has an opportunity to revive his career because he's had some great seasons but he's had some not so great ones as well and the, the knock on Marcus throughout his career has been being able to remain healthy and staying healthy. Now, that's one of the things I'm going to be looking forward to this season is can he stay healthy on the football field because when he's full strength and healthy, he can go. And he adds to that quarterback run game. He has a strong arm. And I'm just looking to see what he's going to bring to the organization.
So Arthur Smith was not the only head coach that we had on today's show. Big shout out to super producer Harry Douglas for booking both Arthur Smith and Bruce Arians for us. So Bruce Arians, of course, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he joined us. Obviously, we asked him about Tom Brady unretiring. I asked him if he stayed in contact with Brady during that, you know, really long, what, 40 day retirement of Brady. Here was his answer. Uh, yeah, I was checking on him. We're, we're you know, we trying to get a golf game. He's all over the world now, so it's hard to get him on the golf course so I can win some money. But uh, just, yeah, we have a great relationship. So it's just checking on him, the family. And uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a great time uh, since he decided to come back. I can imagine it has been, and in fact, very great time since he decided to come back, and then everybody else decided to come back as well. Although, there is one person missing from that whole we-got-the-gang-back-together conversation. It is Gronk. So, of course, we asked Bruce Arians, what's the future of Gronkowski? Uh, yeah, I, I got a real good feeling. You know, I, I think he's just making Tom sweat a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he was working out at the facility there for a while, and uh, he started doing some traveling, but... Uh, Man, he's still got a lot of great football left in him, so I hope he does. I like that he said he's making Tom sweat a little bit. I have seen that rumor out there quite a bit all over social media. So you think this is just Gronk's revenge? Yeah, just a little bit. Those two guys have a unique relationship. They've been together for a long time, and they kind of have something that you can't teach on a football field because they are so close and been together for so long. Uh, we've seen it, I believe it was maybe in the first game of the year when the Dallas Cowboys went a certain coverage, and Tom Brady just said one thing, and then Gronk understood what to do from there, and he caught a touchdown pass. So those are the type of things that you can't coach, and chemistry plays a part in 1,000%. Not 100, Amber, 1,000%. Well, Bruce Arians might not have to do much coaching of Gronk or of Tom Brady. There are some other pieces on that team he does have to coach up, and he is known for taking a very blunt approach. Here's him addressing his uh, his uh, coaching style. Uh, I think everybody respects honesty. You know, uh, players can look through bullshit so fast. And, uh, you know, you got to be honest. you got to be straight. I'm going to tell them, my door is always open. Um, you might not get to hear what you want to hear, but you're going to the truth. You're going to get the truth. We just got the truth there on that bite as well, Harry Douglas. But what I like to hear him say is that his door is always open to players, even though he's the head coach. Listen, I can respect that because the players who want to be great, they they want coaches to coach them that way. They don't want them to tell them what they want to hear. They want to tell them what they need to hear in order to be better and to be great. And I'm glad that Bruce Arians is like that. And a lot of people that I know uh, that play for Bruce Arians told me that he's like that. And they can respect a grown man being 100. That's how we say it in the streets, Amber. Being 100 with him and not shooting the breeze and telling them BS, as we heard Coach say right there in the beat. So coming up next, we by the way, again, if you missed any of that, and our thanks goes out to Harry Douglas for booking all of that, if you missed any of that, uh, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, please check out the podcast available where all of your podcasts are and on the ESPN app. Now coming up next, Harry and I will wrap things up for today's show. It includes college basketball, the madness, Seth Greenberg. He's going to get you set for tonight's Sweet 16 games. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio.
Kyrie Irving can play all of the remaining games for the Brooklyn Nets. He will be available because the private sector vaccine mandate was lifted in New York City, an emergency order from their mayor. Now, what's interesting about this, though, down the stretch here for the Nets is Harry. They're in a good position in terms of like, all right, they're going to make the postseason, right? But they're in a play-in type scenario right now. And although the vaccine mandate was lifted in New York and all of a sudden now we're like, oh, Kyrie, he's available. He can play in every game. Except for, uh uh-uh, not in Canada. That's not true. That's the one place that he still can't play. And right now, the Nets would face the Raptors in a one-game play-in scenario. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, it is of the utmost importance here to try to gain some traction on the Raptors to get home court in that game. And I mean fast, and I mean very, very fast. And I mean fast and furious fast, Amber. Because when you look at the Toronto Raptors, they're a team who are very, very athletic. And then when I look at the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie probably wouldn't – well, he's no, probably he won't be able to play that game. They're probably going to trap a guy like Kevin Durant. Now, the problem I have with that is that the supporting cast for the Brooklyn Nets hasn't been – A bright spot for him. You look at the other night against the Memphis Grizzlies, the bench, I think between four guys had 11 points. That cannot happen. Patty Mills had zero points, played 25 minutes. Can't play 25 minutes and have zero points. Went over three from three-point line, 0 for four field goals, period. Seth Curry, a guy who is hurt right now, he is going to be very, very vital in in, in a lot of what the Nets do because of his shooting, his ball handling, and being able to be an outlet for Kevin Durant when Kyrie is not out there. Now, when Kyrie is there, I still believe the supporting cast has to be great because we've seen the other night Kyrie go for 40-plus. We've seen Kevin Durant go for 35-plus, and they still lost because of the supporting cast for the Brooklyn Nets was not the supporting cast of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, they lost to a team without John Moran, a Grizzlies team without John Moran. Uh, Decidedly so, even with those performances – from Kyrie and KD, it's not always enough with just those two guys. Now, it will be helpful that reportedly Goran Dragic and Seth Curry are supposed to make returns for the Nets maybe as soon as tomorrow night against the Miami Heat. So getting some more of that supporting cast will be really, really important for the Brooklyn Nets. We're not going to see Ben Simmons. He doesn't seem to be part of this equation in terms of a supporting cast. But then Kyrie can suddenly start playing on the home court. So that starts against the Hornets on Sunday. And then we move forward down there, uh, down the stretch here for the Nets. Again, they are sitting right now in eighth in the East, a play-in scenario with the Toronto Raptors that they do not have home court in. And so therefore, Kyrie still would not be able to play. ESPN Radio. Coming down the stretch here on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. We've been hanging out with you. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. We have had a heck of a show, Harry Douglas, today. We really have. Seth Greenberg, ESPN's college basketball analyst, the coach, he joined us earlier to talk all things March Madness. We had the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. He joined us. He talked about Matt Ryan leaving their franchise the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, he joined us as well. He talked about Tom Brady unretiring, and we had ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington join us to break down everything NFL offseason. If you miss any of that, check out the podcast on all podcast platforms. But now it is time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. 
Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. So last night was March was madness in March madness. It was also March madness. It was madness last night in March madness. Uh, two ones fell. We are down to one number one seed remaining in this tournament. That is Kansas. They take on Providence in less than an hour. St. Peter's and Purdue tonight. UNC and UCLA, Iowa State and Miami. We'll see who can make it to the Elite Eight. We know so far, Houston, Villanova, Arkansas, and Duke, they are all in the Elite Eight tournament. I mentioned we had on Seth Greenberg earlier to break down all things March Madness for us in the men's tournament. Here's what he said you can look forward to tonight. This weekend preview is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways that you can save. Well, first of all, you know, the one thing you talk about Kansas' game, Kansas playing a game against a team whose average age is over 23 years old. Over wow. 23 years old. The average age of most of the teams in the NCAA tournament are over 21. It's the oldest NCAA tournament we've ever, we've ever had in terms of the teams remaining. A couple of them, I'm looking at Carolina and UCLA, two of the bluest bloods. And Jaime Hawkins has got to play well for, for UCLA to have a chance to win that game. He's averaging 21 a game, 50. 4% from the field the last seven games. And he's going to match up with Brady Manick. But, you know, Hawkins is banged up. He's had a problem with his, his ankle. He's got to be good for uh, UCLA to be good. And then if you want to watch a matchup within that game, the other matchup I would watch is Tiger Campbell and R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis has been great. Changed Carolina's kind of DNA. You know, everyone's talking about St. Pete and, and Purdue. And, you know, it's a great story. Uh St. Peter's a good basketball team. They're a really good defensive team. Uh, they're going to try to disrupt the rhythm of Purdue, push them out a step, force all those post passes a step further, try to spread them out offensively. I don't think they'll be able to do that. I think that Purdue will basically play their heels to the three-point line, keep it in front, use their size. And Purdue's got a guy named Jaden Ivey who's just different. He'll be able to create offense along with Trayvon Williams and Zach Eady. I call Purdue Noah's Ark. They got two of everything. I mean, their depth is, is, is incredible. Uh, those are two games that are going to be interesting. And then the Kansas team with Remy Martin is a different team. Remy Martin is a shot creator. He was hurt all season long, and he can score it. He takes a lot of pressure off Ochai Baji, Christian Brown, Jamal uh, 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 Wilson. So, I mean, that'll be a fun game to watch. So, I'll tell you, one thing about college basketball, never disappoints. I mean, every single game. I mean, you want to go to sleep, but you can't go to sleep. I mean, every single game is an interesting storyline. This has been a fascinating tournament. A lot has to do with the transfer portal. A lot has to do with guys coming back us to NIL. But uh, it's been a fascinating tournament. And, uh, you know, start at 7 o'clock, you know, basically have a couple. Of, I, I, don't, I don't drink those things, but Red Bulls, if you need to stay up and watch some great hoops. Seth Greenberg is right there. This has been an unbelievable tournament so far, and we still got a ways to go here uh, as, again, we finish up the Sweet 16 tonight. Uh, And a totally unpredictable tournament coming off of a totally unpredictable tournament last year, Harry. When it happened last year, I thought, okay, we're still dealing with pandemic. We didn't even have a tournament in 2020. Last year, we were dealing with limited crowds and different protocols, and I thought maybe that was why, you know, the Oral Roberts of the world, they got this far we saw it last year with a 15 seed but it seemed like maybe an outlier and now this year it's happening again and all these ones are going down and a 15 is still here and it just feels like maybe this is the direction that college basketball has taken with a whole lot of parity 
It is the direction of college football. I mean, excuse me, college basketball is going. And I, one of the things I love about the small school is that they have uh, positions one through five that can shoot, pass, and dribble. So it gives some of these these big, big-name schools problems, especially if you have a traditional five-man who now has to guard another five-man who's not really a five-man that can put the ball on the floor, shoot the basketball from deep, and drive it, uh, and, and make free throws and just be bona fide in a lot of different ways. We get the St. Peter's story tonight when they take on Purdue. I hope it's not the end of the road for that story. People keep talking up Purdue. It's such a fun story to me. I I want to believe that St. Peter's can maintain this historic run. Another fun story, I think, is Larinaga and Dem Boys, as we say, down in Miami. Uh, the Canes, they drew a sweet 16 opponent here who ranks pretty terribly in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh, a double-digit matchup. Don't sleep on the Canes, Harry Douglas. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Don't sleep on the Canes. No, I am not. Isaiah Wong will go along with Charlie Moore, Wartenberg, uh, McGusty. Those guys can play out on the perimeter. They're a bad matchup for anybody. I think in the NCAA tournament, just because they can do a lot of different things and play perimeter basketball. The thing about them is that they have to make shots because if they're not on that night, they're going to be exiting too. So a lot of madness left to be had. We'll be unpacking it all for you next week as well. Kobe Bryant's estate, Harry Douglas, as we move on here in three and out, has reached a new long-term contract with Nike to continue producing both footwear and apparel from Bryant's Zoom Kobe series. Uh, Vanessa Bryant and Nike both announced on Thursday. The news comes, of course, nearly a year after Kobe Bryant's initial endorsement deal with Nike expired. When that expired, that shook a lot of people. We weren't expecting it. We know how closely Kobe was with Nike. This is good news here, I feel like, for a lot of Nike fans, a lot of Kobe Bryant fans. I'm glad to see the estate is uh, has this relationship again with Nike. Yeah, I think Nike and I think uh, Vanessa Bryant, they're doing the right thing to honor Kobe. And not just Kobe, but Gigi Bryant as well. And I think a lot of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, right, are going to go to the Mamacita Foundation. Am, am I not? Well, nearly 20%. Well, no, that's a NBA plus. I don't have the breakdown of the actual proceeds, but there is a portion of them that are going to go to the foundation. Uh, and, um, yeah, actually, 100%. You're right. Nike is donating 100% of the net proceeds yearly for Gianna's shoes to our Mamba and Mamba Sita Sports Foundation. So a way for fans to still honor Kobe and still honor his daughter as well. The demand for Kobe Bryant's shoes are still astronomical. And Vanessa Bryant said so much, as much, and she said she's very proud that her husband's shoes are still going to remain here with Nike. We're very proud that coming up next is Spain and Fitz. This has been ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas.